This episode of Cold Coffee No Glue Sticks is sponsored by The Good Village, an online HPE resource for primary students developed by Nestle in partnership with the Australian Institute of Sport. Explore four areas with 48 differentiated activities to build your students' skills in health and fitness, nutrition, relationships and culture, and sustainability before attempting the main challenge of building your very own athlete village. Access teacher notes to support the implementation of the resource in your classroom or select activities for individual students based on their interests and needs. It's totally non-prescriptive to fit in with your scope and sequence. Coming soon in 2022 is the brand new Yarning Circle area to give students authentic opportunities to explore First Nations histories and cultures. So to get the best out of the HPE curriculum this year, visit n4hk.com.au or Google The Good Village to get started with the latest in project-based HPE. Hello guys and welcome back to Cold Coffee No Glue Sticks. If you're dealing with all this awful, awful rain, I'm very sorry, but don't worry, I've got a treat for you. My guest this week is not only a five times Australian national champ in his sport, he's not only a two times Olympic medalist in rowing, he's also one of the greatest people in the world. He's a teacher, of course he is. It's Cameron Girdlestone today. He's a PDHPE teacher and an amazing sportsman. You might've heard from him at the recent Olympics, but we talk about relationships in the classroom, trust and respect with your students and bringing your best self to the classroom every single day. I really hope you enjoy this one. I'm actually sort of um, going away from teaching. I'm, um, uh, I'm, I'm starting, a, I took a deal with a CBRE, which is a commercial um real estate organization which does sort of in sort of all business lines but i'm in um going to be going into their office leasing team um Mm -hmm. so in the cbd so something so i've always had an interest in sort of um i guess uh away from sort of teaching a little bit just to sort of see what else is out there i guess sort of being a student i studied it i then taught for since 2011 basically finished university and then i just went straight into a full-time job and um have loved it really really enjoyed it but i've always sort of had a uh, a passion for sort of uh, uh, something else and where yeah. sort of my skills as a um, elite athlete of two Olympic cycles and 10 years of teaching um, where the skill set that I have that sort of uh, might be uh, might be linked to and I guess I've always had a sort of an interest in that sort of property um, property development space and um, I think the skills of being able to, to raise capital and meet clients and bring in new business is all about people skills and getting to know people and building relationships and I think sort of if you can't do that in rowing, then you're not going to be very very successful as a crew. And I think teaching yeah. will sort of it sets you up for for anything. I I think if you can teach and and hold yeah. a class from nine till three o'clock, I think your your people skills are pretty good. So I'm just sort of wanting to if it doesn't doesn't work out, but I guess I'm just just looking for the challenge, Katie. Yeah. Just someone to give me a a real challenge to get thrown in the deep end and start at the bottom and work my way up. Yeah, that's super exciting. And it's interesting yeah. because like coming out of teaching. For me, I felt that I had all of these skills for the classroom, but nobody else saw that. Like nobody else kind of saw where else they could be applied. So it was quite difficult to go into the corporate world coming out of um, a decade of teaching, to be honest. Are you like, how do you feel about it? Do you feel a bit nervous? Are you excited? Yeah, I think it's it's funny. Like uh, some of the questions that I've been asked from a, um, I guess from a, a lot of the the managing directors and CEOs and a lot of people that I've spoken to in a lot of interviews have sort of said, "Oh, why 
why property? Why why are you sort of wanting to move away from teaching? You could sort of go back into teaching after 10 years of your experience and two Olympic cycles. Like you, the level that you could come in at teaching is sort of a lot higher than where you come in um, into the space that you're going to come in at. And I, I'm very much understanding of that, of that. But I think for me, deep down, it's sort of um, – uh, it's the it's I'm um, looking for that sort of that um, that challenge of sort of the more you put in the more you get out and I think that sort of incentive of sort of you'd be rewarded for the hard work and there's sort of a, there's there's promotions there's accolades there's there's those sort of things that come in line I guess sort of for teaching is sort of it's not that in every case but I, I feel a little bit there's a there's a bit of a ceiling in some in some instances yeah. a little bit um, you sort of can't be the the master of the master of the master of of sport or in yeah. my direction like I'm my passion is the philosophy of sport and the direction of that that's where my probably my true passion lies I love the teaching as well don't get me wrong but I think where I'm of the best asset is and my experience is in that the the direction of sport and, and that's where my my experiences have been so I think sort of um just to experience something different and work towards something different learn a new skill set as well and I think um I'm, I've, I've developed some really good skills as a teacher, and, not, and and still a long, long way to go to sort of say that I've I'm I'm the perfect teacher, or I don't think you can ever say you're the perfect teacher because you're always cha- you're always growing and cha- changing and cha- being challenged. So, um, I think for me the the biggest one was probably just that um, just another opportunity, something to something to chase, just like a. Just like an Olympic gold medal, Katie. Someone sort of at, in 2013 sort of said, "Well, after seven years away from rowing um, and not touching a single oar, I sort of took myself back to rowing in 2013." And then three years later, I was sitting on the start line of a of my first Olympic Games, and then wow. I won a silver medal. And then sort of five years later, I won my, won my second medal. So I guess it's a bit like a a bit of a challenge like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing about teachers: we're not afraid of a challenge. So it's it's hardly going to be a, a huge step for you to kind of put yourself into that situation because you've got that kind of mindset that's ready to embrace something new, a new journey. Yeah, I think like with um like sort of with with teaching um and just like I, I can just probably just reflect from a teaching perspective is that you have you're accountable for, to your students and and they're there at. Eight thirty in the morning, nine o'clock, when when period one starts, and you have to be there. You have to front up, like they're not sort of they don't wait for you. Like you need to, you need to be there, and you need to commit to them. And sort of, I, I think sort of, um, and then the next class, and then the next class, and so forth. And you sort of, yeah. whilst in in business, you're you've got your uh, work colleagues, and you've got clients, and you've got KPIs. But I think sort of with teaching, it's sort of you're there for a hundred plus clients. Yeah. A day day in day out and yeah. I think that's where that level of sort of accountability up for the challenge like you've got 30 different clients in a 50-minute class times that by six every single day now they're not all cookie cutter the same kid like you yeah. need to build a rapport with every single one of them to build trust and respect yeah and if you don't have that then you, you're going to make no headway with the student and that's sort of probably um, where I felt that I think the biggest grounds for opportunity areas sort of sort of know your kids um and then the teaching and the and the education can come after that but i think if you don't know your kids then um you find you make it very hard for yourself and i was mm-hmm. a i spent four and a half years in, in in the boarding house and that was a an amazing way um to get to know kids and how to manage kids and really it's about being a, a good listener yeah um yeah. that's sort of i think the art of i think for me 
being a, a successful teacher, I think it's a, it's the way you present and the way you articulate, but it's also the the way that you listen to kids as well because I think as soon as they have that sort of you give them the opportunity to have that moment to share with you, then I think that's where the where the X factor lies. Um, but Absolutely. If, you sort of, if yeah, it's just one way one way directional conversation and communication, it's it's di- it's it's just uh, it's dialogue, not a conversation. And I think that's sort of where I, th- I think some teachers hold themselves back a little bit. Yeah. And did any? Do you remember anyone teaching you that good relationships was a foundation of teaching, or is that just something that you've kind of realised off your own back throughout your career? Yeah, I think sort of. Um, Oh, sort of, uh, I guess, relationships and getting to know people, I think, sort of being brought up. My, my mum's a teacher, my sister's a teacher, um, my brother-in-law was a teacher. Um, I had a family of three older sisters and I think it was just the, uh, I guess, the way that I um, have been brought up um, to be a good listener and to always um, value everyone's opinion um, but yeah. obviously trust and respect being, being those things. If you don't have trust and respect, then, I don't think in any team dynamics you're going to be successful. And I think maybe the combination of my sport when I was young, um, both from an individual level and then carrying that into a team environment um, probably taught me that as well. And and then I think um, through university I probably learnt the most when I was on prac, I think. Um, And I remember doing a prac in at Marrickville High School um, as my first um, in Sydney, uh, my first uh, secondary school prac and and that really was a, it was a fantastic fantastic um experience for me i was a i went to king's um as a as a student and, and, and very um fortunate and had some great opportunities there but it was a wonderful experience for me to um to have a prac at marrickville high school and then coincidentally the year after or the second year after i left um uni i actually started working there for two terms and oh, right. um I, I really, really enjoyed it. And the the one thing I think I sort of reflect on from that experience was that um, the importance of, um, and, I, and I touched on it before, getting to know students and have an understanding of every one of your students and have a different rapport with each of them because mm-hmm. every kid um, and every student that you teach, males and females, boys and girls, um, are different and 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 they're unique in their own ways and they have their, their own unique set of skills and their own unique set of values and their own unique backgrounds and when you show interest in each individual of those those students that you teach then your influence as a teacher as a mentor as sort of like a trusted big brother type thing as for me yeah. or, or a trusted big big sister i think that's where um the real connection lies and and that's that's when you can then take your students on a real educational journey and 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 get the most out of them when you sort of send them on to the the next year or the next teacher or or graduate from school yeah yeah definitely so you mentioned your sports philosophy there um and that's obviously that you something that you work on currently with all your um kind of professional sportsmanship and uh olympic um, victories, etc. But is that something that you've always applied to your teaching, like from the very beginning, or is that something that's kind of um, uh, that's been worked on throughout your career and perhaps has only kind of come to fruition since you've been competing? Yeah, I think sort of um, like from a when I was when I first started working full time, I at the I wasn't I wasn't rowing at sort of a, a full time level. I was. Um, 
I was just keeping keeping active, but I wasn't um, actively sort of in the midst of trying to make the make the Australian National Centre or um, try and make the the national team at that time. And when I sort of started in 2011, so I think sort of very very quickly for me, it was about learning from um, others um, and other other teachers. Um, and then as I sort of um, learned from others and, and, and other mentors, and I think sort of one of the biggest things is is, I, is not being afraid to ask for help uh, when you start. And I sort of, sort of say that to all young teachers that, that are starting out, but also all teachers, like never be afraid to um, ask questions. And we're always learning. And I think sort of when you show that side of um, that little bit of vulnerability, that sort of like, hey, like I need help, um, can I – can I use your skills or your resources to help me? Because I feel in a department or a or a team that's going to better benefit the team, not only you as an individual, but it's also going to show that that just that you're a little bit a little bit vulnerable and you don't know and you're not afraid to sort of uh, um, do it yourself or sort of not not, not let your guard down like your 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 personal at the end of the day. And I think that sort of is a real sign of. Um, people's characteristics to be able to say hey i need some help and you're not afraid to ask it and i think i learned that sort of quite quickly because i was i grew up when i didn't when i had a problem or when i wanted to sort of get some help i was not afraid to ask for it because um i knew that i'd better from that and i sort of grew sort of not to say that i didn't trust myself or or back myself but that idea that when you you want something and you're sort of not quite sure how to go about reaching your goal i think having a a support network around you that you trust and respect yeah. is really important. And I think I sort of started with that as a young teacher and then the opportunity to, I started um, after I took an opportunity at the Shaw School in North Sydney, um, one of the boys' schools in Sydney. And I actually just took a term, a one-term placement and and from I moved on from Maricopa High School back in term three 2011 and it was only a term block. Um, and then sort of I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take this I'm going to take this opportunity on and and see what I can make of it. And just sort of the old sort of saying that I sort of had during high school is the more you put in, the more you get out. And well, I hand up for some boarding duties. I coach rugby. Um, I did the athletics. I just sort of sunk my teeth into as many things as I could and just kept my head down and yeah. um, and worked hard. And um, at the end of that sort of term block, I then was sort of asked to sort of stay around till the end of the year. And then. I only sort of resigned last year due to COVID sort of situations. So that's almost sort of 10 years later and the amazing support of the school to be able to then continue as I picked up my rowing again. Um, But I think from that team dynamics and sort of what I brought across to teaching was definitely that the power of collaboration um, and doing it together. I think that's really important. Um, And I think sort of when departments, and I was in the the department that I was in, uh, the PHP department, that was a big philosophy and a big a big goal was sort of we're in this together. And at the end of the day, it's for the students. It's yeah. it's your it's their education, and you're there to support it as best you can. And if you can do that together and help each other, then a it's a great thing to be able to have as a as an ethos. But b sort of you're going to be able to create better teachers, and then a better learning outcome for your students, and then then a better experience for everyone. Absolutely. And being able to model those collaborative efforts and that kind of teamwork um, stance as a group of professionals for uh, for your students as a faculty as well, that's a, a hugely powerful resource for them. Mm. Oh, I, I, I think I, absolutely right. And I think sort of when you 
as the the national curriculum as I sort of was coming going down to Canberra in towards sort of twenty eighteen. The sort of was when the PHP sort of national curriculum sort of standards were sort of starting to. Um, I think they kicked off in eighteen or nineteen, if I can recall rightly. So for PHP, sort of I think seven and nine, and that's mm-hmm. really important from a, I think a collaboration side of it to have that you're all sort of teaching to the same sort of standards and 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 education resources, and if sort of you can have that idea of helping each other, yeah. Um, and, and and then again, as new teachers come into your department or less less experienced teachers come on, they feel really well assured, like really well looked after. Um, and feel like they can grow and develop, and I think that's really the the fundamentals of uh, what makes successful teams. Is you have a leader, but that leader knows each and every one of those who's within the team and how to connect with them. And it's the idea that we're going to do this together. It's not me and you and, and my role and your role. It's it's how do we help each other here? Um, and it's it's sort of that. And I, t- I just reflect on that from our crew in in 2020 this year from a from a sports dynamics like we whilst I was the the second in time two-time Olympian um, and the other three gentlemen in my, in my boat were debutons at no point did we ever sort of did I sort of say I'm the Olympian you're not you do it this way it was all about find, finding little ways along the the journey to say hey this is your opportunity to lead the boat you're great at this yeah. this is your domain you lead this you do this I think you're great at this and giving each other that opportunity to lead, to have a voice, to take the group um, on some ideas or challenge some things, that brings out the best in those around you and it's that idea and that philosophy of what do I need to do to make you look better? Yeah. Um, and then hopefully vice versa, the idea is that they go, wow, like that's I'm going to do the exactly the same back to him and then that, that sort of theme and idea then just sort of becomes between two people and three people and then ultimately you've got a whole team thinking like that yeah amazing well this is a great segue for my next question that I've got for you um on the podcast we like to big up our fellow teachers and you know show the world how good we really are at collaborating and supporting each other so do you want to talk about how maybe some of the faculty at Shaw or it could be at Marrickville or at King's um supported you early in your career like some of the things that they did for you as an individual teacher some things that you did as a team how were you kind of showing or being shown that support yeah it's a really good uh it's a great question I think that sort of uh mentor and having that sort of buddy type system as you started teaching um is is a really good idea I remember having it at at Maryville and and when I taught at Shaw I had um they had a mentoring program um that was there was on as a first year teacher, you would um, you'd be signed up to a buddy and not necessarily a buddy within your department. I think it was actually a really valuable um, idea that the buddy was from different departments. So you had your communications and dialogue within your department, but your buddy may not necessarily have been um, with someone from your department. So I had someone who was um, sort of business studies and economics um, subject content. And that was a really good idea, quite senior. It's usually the the mentees uh, or the mentors are um, usually sort of senior teachers, and it's a it's a, um, a group of oh, I can't remember how many, but you sort of get assigned just one on one, and you probably met maybe once a sort of they had a seven day cycle when I was teaching there, so once a cycle or um, sort of once every two cycles, and it was a great way. And you went through a you had goals, you had aspirations, how you're going to get there, sort of a, a bit of a, a journey booklet, and you sort of check in along the way how you're going. It was just a really good idea to 
I guess, bounce ideas off. Um, not a, It wasn't too scripted, but it was a nice way to, one, build dialogue and, and get to know somebody else and to hear how other departments do it. Secondly, to um, have answered some questions that may not sort of you may, you may not want to ask sort of or how do you structure them within your department how might I ask this uh, and also just I think school systems and 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 how things work as well um, sort of the the technological side of sort of staying up to date with everything as well there's lots of admin and and staying on top of that side of things so I think from a, a mentoring side um, it, I remember my my mentor um, and and still sort of uh, recall that all the conversations that we had and how uh, how uplifting and, and how sort of reassuring it was that what you were doing was um, well supported and, and your ideas were not sort of, um, I guess, put to the side. It was like, great idea. How can we work on that? Let's let's brainstorm how we can bring that in. And um, it's that sort of um, how do I be a better teacher for my students? Um, yeah not just sort of what's easy for me. It's sort of always having that thought process behind what you're doing is sort of put you, put yourself in the teacher, in, into the student's um, shoes, sit, sit in your classroom what, and what is your classroom like if you were presenting this type of teaching methodology or this type of class or when you front up, even though you've had a a, bat, a terrible day or it's period six, like you, you need to show your students that, you're there and being present, I think is really important and being present for that class um, right. and committing to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of committing to your students, what's been the proudest moment in your teaching career? Yeah, I've got a really, um, a really proud, proud moment. Um, sort of it's a sp- sporting, sporting related. I had, um, it was when I was in the boarding house and um, there was a, a young student um, who always wanted to try rowing and he knew I was the rowing coach and um, he'd sort of come over, he sort of switched summer sports and he, and he missed out in his first year um, in rowing and he came back uh, the second year in rowing and he sort of worked hard over the over the break and sort of he got back he got back in and I sort of helped him sort of with what what he can do and he made a he made the crew um, in his like sort of first sort of senior sort of senior school. Um, year 11 and 12 sort of opens crew and then the second year in his final year he he wrote again and he uh, worked even harder and um, he got into the sort of the second boat the second top senior boat in the school and he went on to win what the sort of the, the schoolboy um, regatta is called the head of the river in the, in the second eight and at his end of um, end of year speech in the boarding house he relayed a story that one of his most fondest school memories was when Mr. Girdlestone never gave up on him and <laughs> always stuck to him and always backed him with his rowing and he never thought it was possible to win um, probably one of the most prestigious events in schoolboy sport is the head of the river. Um, and he and he did that and he got knocked down so many times but he never he never quit and he always stuck, hung in there. And he, he, he almost brought the, little, the, the boy to tears and for me I'll remember that forever. It's just that when someone comes to you for, for help, Never be um, one. I've always said never be afraid to ask for help, but also never be afraid to help someone as well because you just never know how much that it might be one little help. It might be ongoing, but you just never know what that can do for somebody else. Oh, amazing! Do you know if this kid is still rowing? Um, he he rows sort of a, a couple of years after school, um, but I don't think he he's he is anymore. We sort of know everyone from the within the rowing community, but um, no, for him, I think that was a very proud moment for him and for me to just play mm. a little 
supporting role and to help him get to what he wanted to achieve. I think he never sort of uh, even believed when he wanted to sign up for rowing. He just wanted to make it into the rowing program. And then three years later, after sort of two challenging years and his third one, he he got a seat in the the second best boat and went on to win. So, um, yeah, it's never giving up on, on, on what you want to do. And as a teacher, when everyone's asked for help, don't ever always, always give it. Yeah. You know, I see again and again, proof that teachers make such a difference in kids' lives and that, um, the evidence that actually they do remember us and they do remember the little things that we do and the effort that we put into, um, championing, championing them as individuals, um, that I think that's super powerful, especially for teenagers as well. Oh, I, I like absolutely, and I think sort mm-hmm. of when even just 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 show that real genuine interest in in all your students and and get to get to know them and sort of um, their co curricular sort of um, thing participation they do in it within a school as well. I think sort of really show that show that interest, and if you are in a a partial care side of, of of a role within a school, and you and you even sort of take that a little bit further. Really make sure that you sort of are, are present for as many of your students' things they do outside the classroom as well. Um, their sport, whether you can stick stay around for five or ten minutes at a, a drama concert or a or a recital or a sport thing, just for five minutes or ten minutes, or or, or see your student after a class or after a performance. It, it means the absolute world to them and it might only be for five minutes and you might think, oh, I don't have that five minutes, but always always have in the back of your mind what it will mean to a student and I think sort of, I think we could all reflect on our own schooling experiences and think back to some moments where teachers sort of gave us that pat on the back or um, commended us on the efforts that we've shown. Think about what that means now that you're the teacher, what that means for the student. Um, yeah. is sort of, uh, and, and that's probably why I sort of the, the teaching side of it for me. I, I, I wouldn't be where I am today, Katie, with two Olympic Games um, and two medals without the role models and the and the mentors that I had as students as well, pushing me, guiding me, directing me, helping me, um, sort of challenging me on things. That's, I'm the person I am today with my experiences from my teachers. Yeah. That's really amazing. And as I said, something that comes up again and again, it makes me very, very proud to have dedicated 10 years to the classroom. And I that's why I'm doing this podcast as well, to, to kind of put those teaching experiences and those teaching professionals out into the world and show the rest of the world how important these people are. Oh, um, well, I, I completely agree with you. And I think sort of the um, there's so many amazing, amazing teachers and 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 and, and business people, and but I think so if we focus on 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 the successful teachers and the the, the role that teachers have in our lives um, is and, our, and as a, a young male and female and even from a, a primary school level, there's they play a very key role in the in the development and the supporting of uh, students' aspirations and and what they want to be and and being there to to guide them um to to bring their best self um to every day um and that idea of sort of giving them every opportunity to excel um and you play a supporting and a guiding role in that um and i think that's it's 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 extremely powerful i think the role that you can have and when you as a teacher um and i witnessed and watched and 
um, connected with those very successful those successful teachers who sort of you can you know the the ones that the students talk about and the the ones that they really have that sort of rapport with. Yeah, and I guess. Um, I've always aspired and, and through my teaching experience, I want to be that teacher. I want to be able to give back just the way that I was looked after as a student. And I think that's yeah. sort of for anyone entering the profession, uh, whatever your individual goals is, my advice and re- my reflection would be is to to give back um, and and to think about sort of the role that you play within your student's life. And it's only for a short amount. Of, you've got a finite opportunity. You don't have years and years and years and years and years to sort of to get it right like you might have one student for, for one class for a year and then you may not teach them again so how can yeah. you um how do you bring your best self for them yeah. in order for them to bring their best self for you yeah exactly wow i mean i could talk about this for years and years and years Cameron, <laughs> I know that we don't have that much time <laughs> so i'm gonna move on um were you always a sports teacher or did you find yourself teaching other themes other topics other subjects Yes, yeah, so I was a um, PDHPE teacher um, and sort of both taught the both theory and prac. Uh, I never taught the senior senior course, um, but that was sort of due to probably my commitments that I had um, sort of with with rowing at the time. When you, I think you, when you teach the senior course, and not only just for my own subject content, I think when you take students through years eleven and twelve, mm-hmm. uh, you need to. Your time is is definitely focused on investing in, in their best opportunity to sort of excel come come year twelve in their senior years as the the academic side of it picks up. And I think for me, uh, I just sort of was quite happy for what I was managing outside the classroom as well, and and being away a little bit teaching year seven to ten was a good balance for me, and it worked quite well in the department. Uh, but I taught theory and prac, and um, sort of uh, really enjoyed both. And I guess it's um, for, for, from a classroom perspective, it's uh, always, uh, I think, sort of engagement yeah. and, and, and interaction is always key and it's the same for sort of, I guess, from a practical perspective as well. From a, We see students sort of at, from a practical uh, side of things with you see all the, the great skillful kids and then you see the, the kids that sort of may take a little bit more time for skill development. It's creating sort of a learning environment that, as we sort of say, caters for each individual no matter what they're learning about their learning skills or needs are so and I think that's the that's the art um um of being a I think a a successful teacher is really picking up on on the little things that students may show and so for us it was from a practical side of things as a PE teacher it's sort of understanding that you're going to have like you do have different academic uh skills and developments and and stages it's exactly the same from a a practical and a, and a skill level as well um, and a fundamental yeah. movement and a fitness level, those things are, are different for every student. So, And you need to have an inclusivity and, and leave no one out. Mm, definitely. Now, I spoke to uh, my friend, Mr. Diorio, who was our guest on the uh, fourth episode of this podcast about this exact same thing. And he spoke about using his... Um, seemingly endless skill of sarcasm to uh, maximise that inclusivity and really encourage those kids that, you know, didn't think of themselves as very sporty or very skilled in sport. So how do you, how would you maximise that engagement in your classroom for those kids that weren't into it or didn't think they wanted to be into it, thought they weren't good at it, that kind of thing? 
Yeah, I think I think the biggest idea, and as you're sort of asking that question, I think sort of what comes to mind very very quickly is that you need to think outside the box a little bit. You can't be just mainstream with your with your thinking and think, oh, this will work. I've done it before, and I'll just roll it out again. Whereas, yeah, I think if you think outside the box, and if you're in that sort of situation where you're like, oh, I've just got kids who are not participating, or like, I'm, I've just got. 10% of the class who are doing it and the other 20% don't even need, need, want to be there or and it's just a consistent thing, then I think you've got to stop checking with yourself and sort of think, okay, I've got to, I've got to change something up here. Um, and that's that sort of idea of thinking outside the box. And that might be um, understanding the, the sports or the skills or um, that other students like that you are doing. Do you, can, you, can you change it up from talking from a, a practical perspective here? Can you... Um, provide different roles or different structures to the games that you are playing or um, is it there's not a win it's, it's not a win sort of type game it's just a sort of an involvement and participation it's I think it's all with your um, your activities your dialogue the way that you communicate um, mm. the way you structure things as well and I think that I guess it always done encapsulated with that thinking outside the box a little bit and if you do have those students that just that their interest level is right down low don't fall to the easy trap of just like oh well oh, i'm just easy to deal with the other 95 yeah. percent of the class who are involved that that five percent is your most important because yeah. i think that's where they're the ones that you got to sort of give that extra 10 percent to because the reward for those students as well is 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 massive and if you can play a role in that um it's um it's it's i think a great um, for for them and, and and for you as well, but I, I do think it's about thinking outside the box a little bit, and that might be, um, maybe it's not a they're not physically participating, but they're they're doing tactical or they're writing down scores or they're doing something to help you maybe, but the involvement is still there and they're still yeah. feeling a part of it because your class at the end of the day is all big is all one team. Uh, sort of the, the sport contacts here a little bit. You're all one team and you're as strong as each other. Um, and I think when you've got that, people feel safe and students feel safe in their environment and and trusted and respected and well looked after, then that you're going to have that uh, stronger rapport. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel that you've had enough flexibility within the PBHP curriculum to adjust the structure uh, enough for those students? Yeah, I think sort of in my in my experience within the within the curriculum, um, and and respectful of sort of what we we we're guided by and and what we need to sort of the, the framework and the and the requirements um, that we we need to uphold as, as in PDHB. But I think it's sort of um, it's definitely about one creating a safe environment for whatever you, whatever you're doing for all students. But I also think it's um, that sort of I think that sort of talk a lot about sort of that game sense approach and sort of um catering for all levels of of skill it's not just your mainstream sports that um that everyone's played for many many years it's that sort of you need to offer what the what the interest and in sort of connecting with the students outside of maybe what they're doing within a school as well and that might be where you sort of that collaboration and and, and within a department is really important what might not be working for you Something else might be working for another teacher, which you might be able to uh, utilize in your class to get better, mm-hmm. better involvement and better engagement. Um, yeah. But I think it sort of, I think it always comes back to as a, as a teacher is is perfect planning, really, or not perfect planning. I guess good planning, um, even if it's just in the busy days that you have, you've got a 
an idea five minutes before you run into a classroom, you know what it's sort of going to look like. You've got a bit of a gauge of what you're trying to do because the students at the end of the day, that they're, they're very smart and they'll read right through you when you, you don't have any idea what yeah. you're doing or, or you're thinking on the fly, which teachers are very good at. I'll give us, I'll give us credit for that because I think sometimes when you – you get thrown in with everything and a lunch duty here and an admin here and a student wants to see you and then you're like, oh, the bell goes and your period five's on you or the last period of the day, you're like, man, yeah. what are we doing? It all happens to everyone. But I think when you're just giving yourself five minutes, not even maybe sometimes, just to know what you're doing and what the outcome is or sort of what you want the students to feel, it's it's important because you, we've all had that time where you go, oh, these students know that I'm not, I have no idea, I'm not planned. <laughs> <laughs> Has that ever like bitten you in the ass a little bit and you've kind of started a lesson and it's all gone to shit? Yeah, I think so. I think you, you, you're not being honest with yourself if you're a teacher and you said, oh, I've never had that happen to me. Um, it's, um, I think everyone sort of had those, those those lessons. But I think sort of – and sometimes when you um, – with your students, and it might sort of obviously for, di- for different ages, and when you do show that sort of – that little bit of vulnerability or you don't try and um, – overcompensate too much just show you like you're genuine as well to your students because I think that's also about sort of you're human at the end of the day as a teacher like you're not you're not sort of uh need to sort of show them that like you you got no personality like show that they're sort of you they get to know you as well as their teacher and, and I think that sort of just comes back to sometimes it might just be um just being really honest with your students but but they might be able to they might be respectful of you as well and say hey look why don't we someone might pop up and say, well, why don't we do this as an idea? We've done it before. And you you know what? You go, perfect. That's a great idea for an example. But I think we've all had that situation. Um, And almost might be sometimes when you you give the kids five minutes or 10 minutes of independent learning or or revision um, at the start of a lesson so you can prepare what the actual lesson is going to be or or something like that. But uh, we've all had those experiences, I think. Definitely. Definitely not a new thing to anyone listening, I think. Um, Yeah. Okay, so the next question is a bit of a weird one, um, but I'll give you some examples if you like. What feels illegal but isn't in schools or teaching? So the example that I would use as a primary teacher would be taking five minutes out to go to the bathroom on your own. Yeah, um, I guess sort of uh, I'll run with that sort of theme a little bit. There's a, there's a, a number of probably sort of thinking sort of for me from a, a PDHPE perspective and a practical component um you sort of i guess uh free time or free play on a on a on a court or on an oval where you basically sort of um you got 100% involvement of kids but it's just it's almost sort of like no rules type thing <laughs> and they're running around a little bit sort of like having a great time but it's like well i don't know if this is needs to be structured or if this was in the classroom there'd be desks flying everywhere or there'd be yeah. you probably don't have this in the classroom but Look, it's one of those things at the end of the day you've got and you always think, I've got every single kid with a basketball in his hand or with a ball in his hand and he's running, he's jumping, he's throwing, he's catching, he's passing it to his mate. That at the end of the day, I think that's the most important thing sometimes from a PE perspective is you've got no one sitting down, you've got full involvement. It may not be as perfectly structured as what the curriculum says to be, but if, you're, if your focus is movement, which is physical education, and you've got every kid who's burning some energy, then... At the end of the day, I think that's a big win. And that's that idea of leaving no one out, especially from a PE, if there's PE teachers listening. Yeah. Whenever you've got a, a lesson, don't have any – well, by, sometimes you do, but sometimes try not to have games where it's people sit on the sideline watching 
watching one-on-one students or you got half the class on the sideline wait, wait, watching and waiting. Sometimes there's yeah. games like that, but always try and think, how can I make this, even if you get out in a game, for example, how can I create this, but there's still inclusivity, they've still got a role to play, or they can come back in, or that's that thinking outside the box. Definitely. Now, I think that's really interesting because we know as teachers, obviously, that free play is super important for early years children and it's starting to come into um, primary education a little bit more. But do you think that kind of free play structure less education is important for teenagers, high school students as well? Yeah, I think sort of um, it's sort of, I guess, that little bit of opportunity for them to sort of maybe... um, uh, sort of figure things out a little bit or maybe even it's sort of like you start a bit of peer-to-peer as well like sort of where they sort of might be helping each other a little bit where it's a little bit sort of less you structured um, as the teacher with the direction it's maybe more student-centered or peer-to-peer and, and they sort of helping each other a little bit um, might be a way but I do think there is there is scope and there is opportunity and there is benefit to that yes. Yeah, fantastic. Really cool. All right. Uh, It is time to wind it up. Um, And the last question that I always ask on the podcast is a bit of a serious one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If you woke up tomorrow and you got a phone call and they say, Cam, I'm so sorry, but everything's gone to shit and you've been voted the next Minister for Education, come in, you have to come into the office immediately. What is the first thing that you would change in education? The first thing that I would change in in education, um, well, that's a that's a big question. Um, and I guess sort of uh, coming from it, if I was to put my PE hat on, I'd just say, well, it'd be it'd be PE from nine o'clock to three o'clock. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but I know that that might cause some uh, serious problems if I was to say <laughs> that. Um, but I think it's, um, I guess, a big one would be resources in empowering. Um, at teachers giving um sort of giving teachers every opportunity and especially new teachers as well coming into teaching every opportunity to be a better 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 teacher um and that might be through resources or um uh programs or and also um i, th- I think there's a, there's there's some real importance around um there's some great teachers coming out of universities and take courses and giving them every opportunity around how to be a better teacher um, sort of, and having that confidence to go into a classroom and, and really feel like they, they can have a difference in a student's life would be making sure that we are well-resourced in um, professional development for all teachers, whether you are in a school, starting out one year, 10 year, 20 year trained, we're always on that idea of giving teachers opportunities to be better versions of themselves with the ultimate goal to produce better students' experiences. Absolutely. Now, the follow-up question is how do you then balance that professional learning and those PD opportunities with the amount of time dedicated to curriculum and then red tape and then admin? I know. Yeah, I know. Maybe... um, Less reporting, maybe less. Yeah. <laughs> less, less reporting. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe reports are done virtually now, considering that we do it. We've done a whole what two two years, maybe or a little bit under two years of everything virtually. Maybe, maybe reports that are not uh don't have to. I know because teachers spend every twice a year or once a year or however many school structure is 
spend a lot of time writing reports yeah. then sort of sometimes just a sort of almost like a, a tick and a flick and a, and a sign off here and there yeah. is it a is it more um I don't know parent teacher sort of orientated with a, a virtual report like it's a video or something like that and kids get a, a virtual file rather than a, a hard handwritten yeah. one that um teachers have to sit by and slave away and till five and six and seven o'clock after school and all night and then mark exams or I don't know is there something there with the with the space that we've been in for the last 12 months is is virtually some way that make it a bit creative creative with um yeah. with reporting <laughs> yeah well I completely agree with you everything else is going digital going virtual so why not the admin side of stuff as well I think that's a great idea yeah um <laughs> might be someone who's already got that idea or is going to go go listens to this and runs with it but that's okay I should have paid it (laughs) quick trademark yeah (laughs) oh that's amazing well Cam you've been an absolute pleasure to have on the podcast thank you so much for taking the time and good luck with all of your um sportsman competitiveness coming soon Thank you, and I wish all those uh, those teachers, those budding teachers, those existing teachers out there listening, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful profession. I think sort of that idea of the more you put in, the more you get out. At the end of the day, remember it's sort of it's for your students, and sometimes uh, I know it's sometimes hard, but sit yourself in your classroom and, and and get a gauge of sort of what it might feel like because I think that sort of is key to always think about your students, not just about you. the amazing Cameron Girdlestone there. Thanks so much, Cam. And we hope to see you at the next Olympics, perhaps. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, come and jump over on Instagram at Cold Coffee No Glue Sticks Pod. Uh, give us a like and a follow over there. You can also follow and leave me a review on the Apple iTunes app or on Spotify. Get in there. And also don't forget to go and check out The Good Village over at n4hk.com.au for a brand new HPE experience. Otherwise, stay dry, stay safe and stay happy guys and I will see you next time.